everybody. I'm Brian Grossman, executive editor here at 6035 Magazine. This is the 6035, the weekly show that recaps all you need to know in the news. Our guests in studio today are reporters Greta Anderson-Johns and Nick Raven and managing editor Helen Lewis. And we're talking about, you know, the latest issue and more. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 6035. Hi. Uh, hello. Hey. Hello. Hello, longtime fan. Yeah. Uh, still. <laughs> still. Every time. Every time. Uh, <laughs> So there's a lot going on in the news, uh, but I figure we, we already talked about the issue that's on newsstands now <clears throat> last week with mm-hmm. Pam Zubek. Um, so if you haven't picked it up yet, be sure to get Game Changer, which is either in your mailbox or uh, on one of the 100 newsstands around the city. But we want to talk about next week's paper, uh, which both Nick and Greta were involved with, the uh, the cover story. Uh, and it's outside of the box, I believe. is Artist the, out of the box. Ar- uh, uh, something about the box. I think out, it's, of the yeah. box. out of the box. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a box and an artist, and he's outside of it. Uh, yes. Credit, why don't you start? You can tell sure. us a little bit about the story. Yeah, some background maybe to start. Um, we did a story about Cedric Martin, um, who was convicted for second-degree murder when he was 18 in 2002. Um, and he has been in prison for more than 20 years now. Um, he recently got paroled um, near the end of last year, November. Um, and part of the reason... He, I, I go into this a little bit more in my story, um, our story. We kind of yes. did a two-parter. Yes. Um, but he really couldn't see himself outside of prison for many different reasons. Um, it's a, you know, most people know this. There's a intense culture of violence. Um, there's not a lot of uh, dialogue and connection between um, prisoners and also the, the guards who um, oversee them. Um, and he really kind of fell into that. He was in and out of um, solitary a lot. He was transferred a lot for fighting. Um, and he had kind of fallen into this uh, trap where he um, wasn't able to seek parole and also couldn't really fathom what life would be like outside of prison mm-hmm. um, until he started drawing um, in solitary. And that helped him with many different things, it helped him with connecting with other inmates um, as well as the correctional officers um, and with his own therapy when he wasn't finding that mental health support he needed mm-hmm. uh, from DOC. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about his artistry? Yeah, so he um, obviously that served as his therapy. So rather than repress emotions and stuff like that, he would use his art to express himself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he really got in, in part because of his solitary confinement. Uh, he would use that as a, a really epic way to distract. And so he would zone into these just very, very detailed um drawings and let kind of let the rest of the world kind of melt away and so he produces very very accurate reproductions of reference shots or uh things that are just in his head that's one thing al uh, chris alvarez one of his uh, instructors was talking about was his ability to just conjure just so many interesting things mm-hmm. from without because he didn't have like books and references yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff to really draw from so um he's use that to really create like these photorealistic drawings and then in his instruction um, kind of coming out of it as well as learning new tools and stuff like that he would uh, he's being taught to be more broad and be more improvisational and quick and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um, v- very very cool drawing and they were very 
impressed. Uh, Jan Busanich and Chris Alvarez were very uh, astonished by just how learned he had and accomplished he was as an artist, even being in a limited environment like prison was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's more to just his time in prison and yeah. the art he did in prison. There's also this aspect of rehabilitation now that yeah. he's out. Could you guys talk a little bit about sure. that so, piece? Yeah, so, that it, so he found a way basically through art and especially with the passing of his mother in 2019, mm -hmm. um, to, he wanted to um, embrace positivity mm -hmm. because in prison it's very easy to embrace negativity, have intrusive thoughts, suicide, etc. And so he used... Um, he was just kind of stockpiled that all together. And so when he got to meet with Karen, mm -hmm. um, Karen got to help him out and she really validated his work when, you know, the prison really wasn't aside from like the social capital that he was building right. with the guards and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then on the outside now, in when we got to meet with him, especially on first Friday, he was with crowds and he was able to connect with people. And he was like, these are my people, you know, have these conversations that he wasn't able to have, you know, back in back in prison. Right. Mm -hmm. I, thought, I wanted to ask you about the role that his art actually had in helping him get out yeah. of prison because it did I play can, a role. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like it quite literally turned into a channel for him to get parole because um, as I said he really didn't see himself getting it he had a hearing coming up in this woman Karen Hamer who um, was a three uh, Shakespeare theater program director he met her through that um, within I think it was Fremont Correctional um, she learned that he had a parole hearing coming up and she took it upon herself to be an advocate and really throw together this internship program with Yana at Yellow Couch Collective um, and an employment opportunity creative. later with, sorry, creative and uh, <laughs> Concrete Couch uh, is where yeah. he's employed also now. Um, so it was, it's literally like what they used um, on his, there's like a lot of documentation you have to fill out mm -hmm. when you apply for parole. Um, this internship and this job is what got him parole and, and yana um, had never written a grant before so yeah. there's, there's actually a pull quote in there about them like building the car as they're driving it yeah so they're trying to figure all this out and all these different things transportation housing all this yeah. stuff for him so that they could pitch that to doc yeah. and be like okay this is what's going to happen when he gets out here because mm -hmm. that all has to be nailed down it all yes. has to be nailed down they need proof of everything. and they continuously need to turn in paperwork to prove that he's mm. he's got the housing, mm -hmm. he's got the transportation, and he's got the job. Um, right. So, and and the, Yana has told us that that's been a little bit hard to legitimize with DOC. Like, it's not a nine to five, right, where he's going and doing some like retail job mm -hmm. um, or something right. like that. It's, he's coming and going from uh, Concrete Couch and from Yellow Couch um, and doing art in a more like free form way. Um, but he's also taking classes and things. So it, it really is just like this built from scratch program that got through DOC. And I think part of the reason for that, Karen explains, is there was a really sympathetic uh, parole board member who listened to him speak. He's also a very powerful speaker. Mm -hmm. um, she listened to him speak and really saw something in him, saw that he could be rehabilitated and that he had you know, worked his way there mm -hmm. um, by the, the time of the hearing. Yep. Is this bigger than Cedric? Uh, you know, we, we talk about this one particular case, but what are they looking to do with this sort of model with other people who have been incarcerated? Uh, 
I, it's it's hard to say. It seems like they're Jan and them are at kind of capacity with just Cedric just right, the one now. right now. Yeah. With just the one right it's now. Brand new. Right, and he's basically the first. He's the pilot person mm-hmm. for this in Colorado Springs. Obviously, it's been happening in other places around Colorado Springs or Colorado, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but in Colorado Springs, it's relatively new. So this really, and I think even through the story, it's going to be able to prove out um, to others in the art community. Um, you know, wraparound services, stuff like that to say, hey, we can take more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not know th- now that, you know, Yana and Karen and, and Chris have kind of proven out the ground, kind of toughed it out a little bit that this they could say, all right, this is the start. Ced- Cedric's our f- case. Mm-hmm. This is working. So let's see what more we can do as to what form that takes. Who who embraces that mm-hmm. is yet to I yet to be seen but it's definitely like a a symbolic victory as well sure because we have a lot of artists in the prisons i was just gonna say were you here Mm. were you guys here when we had the The art art show show. here yes um and that was through the university of denver's prison arts initiative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i spoke with the the professor who still runs that and she i mean colorado is pretty robust when it comes to prison arts programs uh dup DUPI, which is what they call it. Um, they are in every prison in the state. Um, she said she's worked with thousands of uh, inmates and seen many people, you know, leave their gangs and reconnect with family members, like all these transformative stories. And they have that um, Chained Voices is what it's mm, called, right. the, the art mm-hmm. um, yeah. exhibit, um, which I know we were a part of. So I think I was talking with Karen a lot more about the national picture. She's now at the University of Texas at Dallas doing research on um, prison theater programs and the efficacy of getting people who participate in in those programs out of prison. Mm -hmm. Um, I think now the task is to prove how these programs can be effective and do it with data because that's really what the wardens and DOC are looking for. Um, That's what Karen and I talked about a lot. Um, because stories like Cedric's can be really powerful, um, and these anecdotes are um, really powerful. However, you know, DOC looks for data. The, right. the government yeah. structures, they look for, for graphs provable. And, and bars and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 But that's another thing that Karen really didn't want to get lost in her research, too, is, like, academia can can – narrow it down almost too much into numbers mm-hmm. too so um i think she she sees cedric as um a, a story that can highlight the data mm-hmm. in a in a special way and, it, and it's important she thinks for it to come from somebody who's experienced that really dark place of being in prison and being stuck when you say data is it recidivism that they're mostly looking i mean that's the idea yeah right? um do you, DuPi does look at recidivism. They collect their their own data. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another thing is some of the measures aren't really established yet. Like um, recidivism is a lot of what they look at, but also like, you know, can they can they look at um, how many people actually just get out? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so even the measures themselves are not. And that's an, like that's another piece of the it's hard to measure efficacy when people are having individual good experiences. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you, how do you measure art? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Do you put like a, a meter on it, a thermometer? Like how right. do you do it? Yeah. 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 And I mean, Helen mentioned the artist aspect of a lot of, you know, people who have been incarcerated, they, they have sort of these artistic abilities that they discover. And it makes sense. It's sort of an escape, right? Right. When you're behind bars, that's one way to escape. I wonder if they're going to look at 
other is modality the right word? You know, other mm-hmm. writing or mm-hmm. you know sure. what other things are are inmates interested in that could act as a bridge once they or from being incarcerated into you know being in a free society again. Right, and a lot of this this um, piece is about like the visual arts. He has right. um, experience. You know, he was in the, their theater class. Mm-hmm. He wrote right. a play. He, you know, he was doing poetry and stuff like that. And again, mm-hmm. it's like it's hard. All right, well, did you write eight poems? You know, this quarter, did you write? Did you make three visual right. pieces? You know, how big were they? <laughs> uh, you know, the data again, the measuring. Yeah, right. the, the the cruelty of of cold numbers. You know, yeah. and so, um, that, yeah, that's like really hard. To, we can speculate, but it's like really hard to quantify that, right. um, especially when you, you know, if you're doing it and then what the outcome is, mm-hmm. you know, as a result. So DUPI does have like a, a prison wide um, newspaper, actually, and mm-hmm. a literary magazine. So there is some like writing opportunities in there. Um, they also, I think, do a podcast, which I believe Cedric has been on. Um, so there's many different ways that they've They been. do what we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Basically, it's either, it's we're either, not needed in this. <laughs> it's either a podcast or like a radio station, um, but all mm-hmm. really cool things to, um, you know, not just beyond like the visual arts uh, or, yes, beyond the visual right. arts mm-hmm. um, to get uh, inmates to be creative. Mm-hmm. It'd be neat to see more programs because not everybody's yeah. – artistically inclined even mm. you know writing or right photography or drawing but there's something that you know everybody's good at and if they were able to grasp onto that to it. It, right yeah yeah so. uh, because early on like that's there's an anecdote that i write about about it they have uh programs for engineering and stuff like that uh while you're in there right and this was you know he was into this like 20 years ago like kind of just starting out mm-hmm. he had 3d studio max 3d studio base uh, and so you could like plan out spaces and, and do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was more learning opportunities, like this is how you podcast, this is how you promote yourself, this is how you do your YouTube thumbnails, you know, your stuff like that. So then you're, I mean, it's part of rehabilitation. You're getting your mind off of whatever mindset or whatever environment you're in yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, created this situation in which you committed this crime. Mm-hmm. And then you can think forward. It's like, oh, you know what I got? I know video production. I know audio production. I know this and that. And, uh, yeah, I think expanding that would be amazing Mm -hmm. instead of just throwing you in a box forever. Yeah. Not a lot of rehab there, right? How do you actually rehab people? And I know that's – Yeah. Our country has wrestled with that. And you look at (laughs) – I mean, you look at a place like Norway where you get – yeah, your yeah. own suite and yeah. like a video game console and you know a puppy or real something. pencils to draw with yeah, and, right yeah, 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 yeah it's exactly. definitely interesting to look at other other methods so uh real quick i know this isn't this isn't the only thing in the paper next week you got mm-hmm. something about district 49 you want to talk about that yeah yeah sort of uh you know beyond district 49 but uh the neighbors for education oh, group are. that mm-hmm. formed right after mm-hmm. the november 21 school board elections um they're looking to change their strategy a little bit going into this year um they want to be um, they want to appeal to more people and be less reactionary and more proactive. Um, so I went to a roundtable with uh, the D49 members of Neighbors for Education and Peter Hiltz, the, uh, he's the CEO, um, basically the superintendent of, of D49. Um, and it was a really interesting conversation. Um, basically, they were looking for more ways they can be supportive and um less even though they they still feel it's necessary to call out board members when they say um inflammatory things um which lots have in this area (laughs) um they are also looking to um 
you know, support the district more and see what they need in terms of like things like teacher pay. Hmm. Um, some other some other strategies were discussed too. But yeah, really interesting and just um, also interesting to see how much they've expanded. They're going to be starting a D20 chapter as well. Um, oh, cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because right, I know they're real active in D11. How, do we know what the membership is? No. Yeah. I should check be on interesting. that. Um, so sort of focusing on the things that maybe some of the board members should have been focusing on instead of the circus atmosphere. Right. <laughs> maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe they can move the needle a bit. Yeah. We can hold out hope. Yeah. Other districts too, right? Not just mm-hmm. – yeah. It's and it's sure. important now because there's – you know, more than half of the seats in those largest three districts, mm-hmm. D11, mm-hmm. D49, and D20, are up for re-election in November. So, yeah. and those are going to be, I mean, they either have the power to reinforce the conservative majorities that we've seen mm-hmm. or take them away. Change and just completely. to note that there, there was never supposed to be this conservative, progressive right. divide. It was supposed to be all These are not partisan I was going to say, yeah, there's no Ds or Rs <laughs> when you're running for a school undeniably board. Undeniably, it's become very partisan. Yeah. So hopefully... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like everything national else, right? Issue. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, not just education. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing Legos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I us had, about your I Legos, Nicholas. Some, yes. <laughs> yeah. All over Brian's I was gonna floor. Say, uh, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Helen's also an expert on Legos, I have no doubt. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got a shorty the teaser this week, but next week... Um, we do, do, uh, doing an interview with the uh, Bricks and Minifigs guys. Yeah. Uh, they are. It's a franchised rec- – so there are people think that this is just the only store. There, I, I can't fi- – I don't know where their corporate office is. I haven't dug that far in yet. But they've been around since like 2010. <laughs> and so they'll go into a market. They'll do a soft open. They'll do a buy – uh, event where they it's because they're they want all the locals to sell their local their their Legos and so what they'll do is they'll offer contemporary um, Lego sets and stuff that like you could go to Target or Walmart they've got tons and tons mm-hmm. of them there mm-hmm. um, so the the selection in that regard is not as big but then they also offer retired sets and stuff like that so mm-hmm. older stuff that kind of go closer to eBay rates mm-hmm. uh, on the yeah. Uh, and then they'll have used stuff. They have like completed, like newer models. They had like the Globe, which is like a twenty five hundred piece set, which I really want. It's like a globe. It's an actual it's globe. globe with like the actual armature on the side yeah, yeah. and all everything. Made of Lego. What do, yeah, what all do, made of Lego. What does it go for? You say Usually, you really want it, yeah. Uh, so the I want to say new in box is like two fifty. I think. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, they but, had a they had a full Titanic there. Like a life size, <laughs> actual size. Like so, about as far as you spread your arms there. That's how that's big. How big it, it that's how big it is. Yeah, yeah. so life size. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hop in, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Not you, Leo. No. <laughs> Uh, no room you can't you. float on this door. It's not going to go well no, anyway. No. Uh, but new that one new in box is like 650 bucks. Holy smokes. Jeez. Yeah. Um, there are, I didn't see like an Eiffel Tower or anything, but they have uh, – so they have new mm-hmm. used. They have uh, contemporary mm-hmm. discontinued. They even had um, some uh, store-branded models that they have uh, that were – they're, they're like, I don't know, like 100 pieces. So they actually have, what they'll do is they go through, it's a, a I was doing a little bit of research, but it's an Etsy creator. Uh-huh. They do special ones for, they had like A10 warthogs. They had like B2 bombers and stuff like that. They're like 100 pieces. They're like 30 bucks each, but they're bricks and minifigs branded sets with Lego hmm. 
components in there, so they're all hand. So they, they made wow. them. They made them up out of Lego that right. didn't exist as yes. a set. Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool. and they have, wow. custom sort of exactly. Right. And yeah. so they have. Uh, uh, they had a display. Uh, of like Star Trek ones as well, and I was telling Brian earlier that there they have there's a site called Rebrickable where you can actually people will do these custom sets and then make instructions for them and then you pay for the PDF essentially mm. mm-hmm. and then they have an API with these other sites where it's, it gets really deep guys uh, <laughs> where you can actually go and just it like creates this shopping list of parts. And then you buy them yeah. all Which in one cart. So, can... so yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if they arrive together or whatever. But you'll get the manual as a digital thing. You'll get the pieces in the mail, and then you just put together this thing. And mm-hmm. it's like this open source kind of thing, except you know, with capitalism and all that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, they had like Deep Space Nine in there. It was it was a lot wow. of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. really big sets. I can say I've never seen Nick this excited. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> no, we ever. talked about the nerd issue a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, even then, even then, like, yeah, <laughs> nerds. Whatever. This is peak Nick right here. <laughs> oh, we haven't started. Uh, <laughs> um, I need to get you together with my son. My son got a uh, millennium, 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 <laughs> milling about. Yes, I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> where? <laughs> When it comes to pop culture, you got to get half of the name yes. right. Yeah. Not the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. The, uh, yes, yes, not yes. the Millennial Falcon. Not the no. Millennial Falcon. That's my mom. Right. Yes, no. the Millennium Falcon. Yes, yes. the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Rab- Rabbi Rebaldo. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, yeah, so he put it, he put that together. It was over a thousand Which one? Pe- the Millennium Falcon. No, but which one? Oh, I don't know. Because there's more than one. Because they do, they do oh, man, like really? three or four different sizes. It's the thousand. It's probably 1,200 pieces. And okay, it's, so it's they like have that one. big when you're done. Okay. You need to do okay. research, Brian, before you come to us. Yeah, I know. I'm going to talk. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, know no, it's fine. <laughs> they have one. It's actually... Uh, it's their eight hundred dollar one. It's like oh, the size I can tell of this you it's table, not that one. <laughs> uh, and it's like forty five hundred pieces. My grandparents or my parents don't love their grandchild that much. Uh, <laughs> it's like I can send you to college. It's the or I can middle. Buy this. It's the middle yeah. love package. Yeah, because yes. I even have the one where it's it's like uh, seventy five pieces, and it's just Han and a minifig, just like the size yeah. of this coaster. Okay. So they they there's like okay anyway okay we well <laughs> I have two words for you well maybe one play, play date so. okay. All right. we just need to turn one of our rooms here into a lego room okay oh, yeah. yeah all right can, can we get can i'm we not get... walking in there okay no. yeah mm-hmm. just wear boots that's oh, yeah. fine yeah wear shoes all right well on that note we're gonna wrap it up so thanks to greta nick and helen for joining me here in the studio don't forget uh to pick up this week's paper game changer mm-hmm. don't forget to pick up next week's paper outside the box or something along those lines out of the box. Out of the artist box. Out of the box. Yeah, yeah, artist out of the box. Uh, check out our new website, 6035media.org. If, you've had any, if you have anything you'd like to share regarding our podcast, questions or comments, go to podcasts at 6035media.org. Send an email to. Send an email to. The show is produced by Dave Gardner and Nick Raven. Videocast is directed by Nick Raven. Music is by Jeremiah Walter. Our digital media specialist is Sean Cassidy. Art director is Dustin Glatz. Publisher is Amy Gillentine, and I'm Brian Grossman, Editor-in-Chief. We'll see you next time on The 6035. The 6035.